Yeah. Good morning. Happy Rain Day. I think we need to change the name of this day, don't we? The last couple of weeks have been amazing with rain, huh? Uh, people often thank people for, for coming out in the rain, and I want you to know that I really appreciate you being here, but I'm really thankful for people who come out on a nice day. Because what else are you going to do today, right? Other than, than gathering together and, and, and worshiping the Lord. We're, we're really glad you're here. Both those in person and, and those online, welcome. If you've not filled out a Connect card, maybe you're here for the first time and or have been for a while but have never filled out a Connect card, we'd really love for you to do that. There's one in the seat back in front of you. For those of you on, uh, online, there, you can go to goodnewslaws.com and let us know you're with us. It's great. There are some boxes in the back of the room. You can put it, one in at the end of the service. There's opportunities on there to take a next step as well, that if today's the day you put your trust in Christ, we'd love to know that. Or maybe you'd like to have lunch. I've had a great time this year meeting with different guests and hearing their story. I'd love to, to do that. Or if you'd like to register for Discover Good News every Sunday morning, our small group director, Tim, leads Discover Good News right outside in the uh, connect room off the lobby. It's a great place to discover our heartbeat as a church and to get connected to a small group. You could register on, on, on your card or just show up on Sunday morning. When we come together, we like to remember why we come together. <clears throat> and so if you'd say our purpose with me, it's to make disciples together. And we want to do that here, <clears throat> but together we have the opportunity to help make disciples around the world and the um, next couple weeks are going to be real special. So here's a little teaser for what's coming up. Good morning, Good News Church. This is Travis Stevens, Global Outreach Coordinator, checking in with you. Wanted to invite you to pray for the country of Mexico this month. Uh, each month we've been highlighting a country and a movement leader where we've planted churches. So this month is Mexico. So pray for our movement leader, Jorge Alamán. We've been playing churches with him for 15 years, and we're excited about what God's doing there. So please pray for Jorge, pray for his wife and children, for his local church, and also the movement there, that the churches that are being planted will be rooted and established in the gospel and very fruitful in the, in the days and years to come. Got frozen there. <laughs> Next two Sundays, Global Outreach, don't miss it. It's going to be so, so great. And uh, Travis asked me to uh, ask us to pray for Jorge, so why don't we do that? Well, let's pray. Good morning, Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. It's so good to be here and worship you. And it's so great to have amazing gospel partners around the world that we're partnering with to help plant churches. Lord, thank you for Jorge. We pray for him and his family that that you would protect them, that you would fill with them with your spirit and use them in a mighty way. For Jorge's church, Lord, we pray for the, the church plants that we've helped, the eight church plants that we've helped. We pray as they meet together today that your Holy Spirit would give boldness to the pastor and the gospel would be preached and, and people would be one to you and disciples made. Lord, we pray for the financial needs of these church plants that, that you would give them daily bread. Lord, we pray that you would raise up church planters that could be trained and sent throughout northern Mexico to plant new churches that preach the gospel. And Lord, there's 200,000 people in, in our own county who don't, need, who don't know you. 
So we pray as we open your word together today that you, Holy Spirit, would fall fresh on us. Fall fresh on us and, and, and may you win lost people. May this be the day that it makes sense and people put their faith in you. Lord, we pray you would build believers today. We pray that you would equip workers. We pray that you would multiply disciples makers, that, that we would be so full of you that we would feel that we have to go and share with others the treasure that we found in you. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Today is our last day in our walk through Exodus, and today we're going to read about the parting of the Red Sea, one of the great miracles in the Bible, and there was this one seminary student who went to a seminary, and it was really not a Bible-believing seminary. It was kind of a liberal seminary. And the professors explained away all the miracles. So the professor said, listen, God didn't really part the Red Sea. Moses knew where, an, where a sandbar was. And so Moses led the Israelites across the sandbar. And this Christian stood up and he was so excited. He said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That is the greatest miracle I've ever heard. And the professor says, what do you mean? I just explained to you how it was done. He said, no, not that. The greatest miracle of all was how God drowned the whole Egyptian army in six inches of water. <laughs> uh, this morning, we're going to read that great story of God parting the Red Sea. But I wanted to, to give you a heads up of where we're going with this. The, the point of today's message is Jesus will fight for you. Well, there's some bad news there. You know what it is? There's a fight. But there's some good news there, too, and that is that Jesus will fight for you. All of us are praying that this year that God would use us to win one person to faith in Christ. So you win someone to faith in Christ this year, and you're teaching them how to pray because we want to teach people how to pray, and you're teaching them the Lord's Prayer, and they get to the sixth petition. You know what the sixth petition is, right? Where we say what? Lead us not into, tempta lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So they then ask you, what does that mean? What is the evil that we pray that Jesus would deliver us from? That's what I want to equip you today. I want you to know what we're praying, okay, so that you can teach others. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we're praying a battle going on inside of us against the flesh. We're praying about a battle going on around us in the world. We're praying about a battle going above us in the spiritual places against the devil. So we're talking about a battle against the flesh, the world, and the devil. And that's what we're going to be unpacking as we see how God fights for Israel and delivers them. Now... <clears throat> Previously on Exodus, we've been learning about 1450 B.C., the Israelites are prisoners in Egypt. And they're praying out, and God raises up a deliverer named Moses. And Moses goes to Pharaoh, and, and Moses says, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And, and so God sends 10 plagues, 10 plagues. And on the last plague, the 10th plague, the firstborn son in every family is killed. And Pharaoh says, go, right? And last week, Tim was preaching and Tim was sharing how God was leading Israel out of Egypt. So turn to Exodus 14, but I'm going to back up a couple of verses so that we can get a running head start into Exodus 14. Chapter 13, verse 21, The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a, in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they may, might travel by day and by night. 
He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So God is leading his people out of Israel. Now we pick up chapter 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, tell the sons of Israel to turn back. What? To turn back and camp before Pi-ha-hiroth between Migdal and the sea, and you shall camp in front of Baal Zephron opposite it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So God says, turn back. Have you ever felt that God called you to do something that makes absolutely no sense? Why would they turn back when God's leading them out of Egypt? But God always has a purpose in what he asks us to do. And God's purpose was that Israel, or that God would be honored among Pharaoh. So let me show you what happened. They were headed toward the promised land, but see where the red dot is? That's Pi Ha Hiroth. God says, I want you to turn back, go back where you came from, right there on the Red Sea, okay? Back to the story, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people, and they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? I mean, what have we done? We had two million slaves working in our country, and we let them go. What have we done? So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him, and he took 600 select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. Now, chariots at that time would be about like a Apache helicopter today. Have you ever seen one? Many years ago, our kids were playing soccer at Landrum in Pontevedra, and we heard this noise, and about seven or eight Apache helicopters come. One of them was having engine troubles, and they landed. And we got to go up and see them. Listen, they were bad boys. There were rockets. There were guns everywhere, and they were terrifying. So glad they were on our side, right, and not the enemy. Did you know the chariots had two horses, and they could travel 25 miles an hour? And the chariots would just run right through infantry. And in this, they're chasing not just uh, soldiers, they're chasing women and children and animals. So you had 600 choice chariots, that's two horses apiece. So there's how many horses you hear? 1,200 plus all the other. So the Israelites hear them coming. Man, that would have been so, so frightening. Uh, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, and his army. And they overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-ha-haroth in front of Baal-zephron. Now, sometimes we think we live in difficult times, right? And we do. But can you imagine that? The Red Sea's in front of you, and Pharaoh's army, they're coming after you, and you're caught in between. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened, so the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, Lord, help us, Lord, help us. You ever find yourself saying that? Listen, so far, so good. Then they turned a corner, and they began to grumble and complain. Any of you ever complain? 
few honest people here. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Man, I remember asking my mom once, Why did you born me? Have you ever said that as, as a Christian? Jesus, why'd you save me? It's so much harder than, than it was before I met you. That's what they were saying. It was so much better back in Egypt, was it? It wasn't better, but, but that's what they say. Oh, why did you bring us out here to die in the desert? But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Now, of course they feared. There was a Red Sea in front of them the army behind them, but he gave them a reason not to fear. God doesn't just say to us, don't fear. Notice what he says, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Stand back and see God save you. That's the story of the Bible. It's gospel. From beginning to end, God saves. We don't save ourselves. God saves us. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. There it is. Listen, stand by. God's going to fight for you. God's going to deliver you. So I want you to see something here. I want you to see the people are complaining. We don't ever do that, right? Why'd you bring us out here? But do you know what? They couldn't have been more different than their leader, Moses. Did you know Moses could not have been more different than the people? Moses is in the Faith Hall of Fame, right? Look at this in Hebrews 11. Ch Moses, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Moses said, I would rather suffer with the people of God than to enjoy all the pleasure that sin gives. Now notice the next. The next is just mind-boggling. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Once Moses had everything Egypt had to offer, and what Moses said is suffering for the cause of Christ is greater treasure than all the riches in Egypt. That's mind-boggling, isn't it? But who does that sound like? Who does that sound like? It sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? I mean, it makes sense that Moses or you and I, it makes sense that we would suffer for Jesus because Jesus is worth suffering for. But you know what makes no sense at all? That he would suffer for us. Do you know that we are his treasure? And you know what Jesus says about us? He says, I would rather go to hell than spend eternity without you. And so Jesus went to hell so that we could become his treasure. Look at this verse. Is that true of us? That we consider the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking for them? Do we believe the worst thing Jesus offers us, the worst thing he offers us, suffering for the cause of Christ, is greater treasure than anything our culture affords us? Do we? Listen. Are we so staggered that Jesus would treasure us that we're willing to suffer for him, are we? 
Are we willing to lose our jobs? Are we willing to lose our lives? Do we realize that Christian brothers and sisters around the world every day are dying because they believe dying for the cause of Christ is better than anything our culture offers us? Continuing on with the story, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. I love that. No retreat. He says what? Go forward. Listen, Pharaoh's behind him. The Red Sea's in front of him. Go forward. Don't retreat. Don't run away. Go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the heart of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. And there was the cloud along with the darkness, and it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. So God, the angel of the Lord, the Lord who had been leading Israel, now came and stood between them. So he stood between Israel on one side and Egypt on the other. And Egypt, the Egyptians were in darkness. And the Israelites were in light. And isn't that how the world is divided today? Isn't it? I mean, there are people who live in darkness and they keep bumping into things. But those who choose to follow Jesus, they live in the light, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? Listen, listen to John verse 8. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Man, I'm so thankful to be a Christian, aren't you? I'm so thankful that he's invited me to walk in the light and not in the darkness. Aren't you? Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, so the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. You know how the Bible says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask or think? God not only divided the Red Sea, they walked across how? On dry ground. Can you imagine being a part of two million people? This was a shared experience. They had to pinch each other and say, is this happening? Is this happening? They're walking on dry ground. There are walls on both sides of them, a water. Is this really happening? Is this happening? Wow. Don't you hope there's movies in heaven? Wouldn't you like to watch this movie? Show it again. Show it again. Show us your great, mighty power in dividing the waters and they walk through on dry ground. It's so good to be a part of a people. That, listen, it wasn't an individual experience. Remember? Remember when we walked through together? Remember? Remember? And they could remember with each other, right? Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen, went in after them into the midst of the sea. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptian into confusion. 
He caused their chariot wheels to swerve, and he made them drive with difficulty, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Listen, Jesus is fighting for his people. He's leading the Israelites through the sea on dry land. But the Egyptians, he's causing their chariots to get stuck and they're swerving in the midst of the sea. And they said, we better get out of here because God is fighting for, for the Israelites. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak, while the Egyptians were fleeing right in, into it. Then the, the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The, the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not one of them remained. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. God made a distinction, didn't he? Because you know what? The Bible teaches us that God is just. And what do we see? We see that the Egyptians, they experienced God's justice, didn't they? And everyone was destroyed. But the Bible also teaches us that God is love, right? And the Israelites experienced God's grace, didn't they? And that's our choice too. In Romans 6, 23, everybody will either get justice or grace for the wages of sin is death. Isn't that what Pharaoh and his army got? They, they got what they deserved. But listen, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the Israelites got what they didn't deserve. They got grace. Oh, dear people, choose grace. Choose the free gift. Choose the free gift, right? Back to the story, thus the Lord saved Israel. That's the story of the Bible. God saves, God saves, God saves. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. Wow, our God is an awesome God. And they believed in the Lord. And in his servant Moses, they believed. And because they believed, do you know what they did? You know what they did? They worshiped the Lord. You know how they worshiped the Lord? They sang. You know why they sang? Because words couldn't contain the joy for what they had seen. So together they sang. You know why we gather on Sunday morning? Because words alone won't do. We gather to sing to the Lord because of his great deliverance of us. I'm not going to read the whole song, but it, go back and read this song. It's so good. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang the song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he's hurled into the sea. Do you look forward to Sunday? Do you look forward to gathering and singing about the greatness of our God who's done great things and saved us from what we deserved? The Lord is my strength and song, and he's become my salvation. Do you sing? Do you tell others how amazing he is? This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will extol him. What if there was in this community a worshiping people who were extolling their God because they couldn't believe that God had saved them? The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. God fights for us. <laughs> Pharaoh's chariots and his army. He is cast into the sea, and the choices of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. 
Um, what are we learning? That Jesus is fighting for us. Jesus is fighting for us. Didn't we just see that? Didn't we see Jesus fight for Israel? Didn't he part the Red Sea? Didn't he lead them through on dry land? Didn't he? And not only that, what did he do? But he caused Pharaoh's chariots to stumble and get stuck, right? And he closed the water over them. He fought for Israel, right? Oh, are you a Christian? Do you realize that Jesus is fighting for you? If you're a Christian, before the world was even created, long before you knew him, he knew you. Did you know that? Long before you ever loved him, he loved you. Did you know that? Long before you chose him, he chose you. When Jesus came into the world, the reason he came, he was fighting for you. He was coming to save you. Every time he faced a temptation, he had you in mind. And the reason he chose obedience, no matter how hard it was, he was fighting for you. When he went to the cross, it wasn't the nails that kept him there. It was his love for you. He was fighting for you. When he rose from the dead, he was fighting for you. And he loved you so much, he sent someone to share the gospel. And he sent not only someone to share the gospel, but he sent the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, to unstop your ears, to soften your heart, and to raise you from the dead so you could see the beauty of Christ and believe in him. When was the last time you said, thank you? Thank you for fighting for me. Thank you. And, and, and listen, if, if you've never received the gift of eternal life, I want you to know the reason you're here today is Jesus is fighting for you. He's fighting for you. That's why you are here. And maybe you say, well, well why does he need to, to fight for me? Well, remember how Israel, they were slaves in Egypt, right? The Bible says we have that same problem too. He, here's the bad news of the gospel in, in John chapter 8, verse 34. Look at this verse. When Jesus says, truly, truly, you know what that means, right? Wake up. This is important. Don't miss this. Notice what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the, is what? The slave of sin. Every person who sinned against God is a slave of sin. Um, and, and all of us have said things, thought things, and done things, right? And, and, and we're stuck in our sins. And every day, we, we're a day older and we're deeper in debt because we're slaves of sin. We've sinned against God. We can't save ourselves. We're helpless and we're in big trouble. Because God says what we deserve because of our sin against him is hell itself. When we understand how bad the bad news, that we are sinners, slaves of sin, we're in big trouble, then the good news is very good. The good news is that Jesus seeks and saves the lost. Isn't that good news? You guys there, isn't that good news? One more time. Isn't that good news? Yes. Oh, re remember remember Mary? Mary's pregnant, and um, she tells her fiancé, uh, Joseph, yes, I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. Remember that? And Joseph found that a little hard to believe, right? So the angel comes to Mary in Matthew 1, 21, and says, She will bear a son, Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people, what? From their sins. You know why Jesus came? To save us from our sins. We were slaves to sin. So God the Son put on flesh and came to earth to fight for us. He lived a perfect life for us. He went to the cross. He, he died for our sins, fighting for us. And then he rose. He rose from the grave. And listen, if you've not yet come to faith in Christ, Jesus is fighting for you. That's why you're here. Matter of fact, here's how he's fighting for you. Listen to what he said. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. He's pursuing you. He says, I want to move into you. I want to give you eternal life. I want to forgive your sins. I want to fight for you. Let's do life together. Let's do eternity together. And what's our part? Our part, if we hear him knocking, is, is to invite him in to be our Savior and Lord. And how do we do that? It starts when we admit, Jesus, I, I've sinned against you, uh, and I'm sorry, and I can't save myself. Won't you do that? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we receive Jesus as our Savior. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I'm not going to trust in my good works anymore. I'm going to trust in you. Forgive me and give me eternal life. It's I want you to be the Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Won't you? Oh, man, you can do that right where you are. Uh, right now, if you'd like, just receive him. I'll give you an opportunity when we close in prayer or come up after the service. I'd be glad to assist you. But don't leave here without receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord because one day it will be too late. And listen, if you have, hear what this verse says. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus moves in to fight for us. Now, I want you to understand something. The moment Israel left Egypt all the way to the promised land, it was one fight after another. It was just one fight. And here's what I want you to understand. When Jesus moves into you, all the way from that moment till we go home, you know what we're in for? We're in for a fight. We're in for a fight. But I want to encourage you. The bad news, there's a fight. The good news is Jesus is fighting for you. So here's the action step for this week. I want you to trust Jesus in the fight. Listen, there's a fight. There's a fight, but Jesus is with you and in you and for you, and he's fighting for you. Matter of fact, let me encourage you a little more. In 1 John chapter 4, listen very carefully, verse 4. You are from God, little children. If you've believed in Jesus, you're a child of God. Isn't that cool? You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you. See that? Greater is he who is in you. Greater is the one who's in you fighting for you than he who is in the world. So what is this fight? When Jesus moves into us, when Jesus moves into us, he says, I'm Lord now. I'm Lord now. Follow me. And listen, when we get up and we begin to try and follow Jesus, we realize, what well, this is really hard. There's a fight. There's a fight to follow Jesus. And then Jesus says inside, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And we get involved in seeking to share Christ with others and we realize what? This is hard. It's so hard. Okay? So notice what he says. You are from God, little children, and have overcome what? Overcome what? Them. That means what? More than one, right? So I want you to know what the them is, Okay? Listen, we're fighting three fights continually. We're fighting a fight inside us against the flesh. We're fighting a fight around us in the world. And we're fighting a fight against, uh, above us in, in the devil, okay? And so I want to teach you this week how to trust Jesus to win the battle inside of us and around us and above us. Okay, listen, let's trust Jesus. Um, to fight for us in the battle against the flesh, in the battle against the flesh. Let me explain this to you. In Galatians chapter 5, 
See this verse? But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Notice the word spirit, and then notice the word flesh. There's a conflict between the two. See the word flesh? Sometimes in the Bible it means our skin, but, but usually it's talking about the sinful nature we were born with. What this verse is saying is, let's put it in computer talk, that when we were born, there was an operating system installed inside of us called the flesh. How do you recognize the flesh? The flesh says, I can run my life better than Jesus. I'm wiser than Jesus. That's the flesh. Whenever we think we can run our lives better than Jesus, we're wiser than, that's the flesh. But the moment you believe in Jesus, he installs a new operating system on your heart, and it's called the Spirit. The Spirit. The Spirit loves to exalt Jesus. How do you recognize the voice of the Spirit? The Spirit exalts Jesus. He's wiser than you. He can run your life better than you. He's worth taking risks to share with others. So from the moment we receive Christ until we go home, there's a battle inside of us. The flesh never gets better. And so there's always a battle inside of us between the flesh and the Spirit. So how do we overcome? What does it say? We walk by the Spirit. So every morning when I get up, I realize there's a battle inside of me. And so I start my day with Jesus. You know why? Because I trust Jesus in the battle. And I say, Jesus, you're Lord, I'm not. You lead, I'll follow. And then Holy Spirit, fill me so I would see the beauty of Christ and know that he's wiser than me. Give me the desire and power to follow him and fish for men. So I encourage you this week. Listen, don't start your day without Jesus. Spend time with him because it's hard to overcome the flesh. But he's given us the spirit so we can overcome the flesh. All right, that's the battle inside of us, okay? Listen, trust Jesus in the fight against the flesh and we overcome the flesh by walking in the spirit. Now the next battle is against the world, the world, and that's around us. Let me show you that in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. I love the J.B. Phillips. It says, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. What is the world? It's not planet Earth. It's human society that lives in rebellion against God. What is the world? It's that pressure on us to be politically correct, right? That pressure to say certain things and do certain things. So you're a Christian, and you're, you, you maybe are sharing with someone that, listen, I'm a Christian, and I'm waiting until I get married to have sex. Do you think people are going to cheer you on and say, I think I'll do that too? Do you? You know what they'll do, what they'll laugh and scorn. That's the world. You're sharing the gospel with someone. And, and they say, well, do you believe Jesus is the only way to God? You feel the pressure, right? Because if you affirm what Jesus says, you know the world will squeeze you, right? Yes, Jesus said I'm the way and I believe it, right? So we have this tremendous pressure on us to conform. Anybody feel that? You guys there, anybody feel that? Don't we feel that every day? So how do we overcome? Notice what he says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we trust Jesus to win this battle? By the renewing of your mind, we renew our minds with the word of God so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The people around us who don't know Jesus, you know what they do? They get up every day and they get online to find what's changed. 
to, to look at what words they can't say anymore and what things they can't think anymore, and they have to reshift their thinking every day, don't they? Because they have to keep up. I'm so thankful to be a Christian. Every morning, I get to get up and read the Word of God that never changes. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. And I get to renew my mind. And you know what happens on Sunday? Do I have to go to church? You know what happens on Sunday? In a hostile environment, like-minded people get to gather together and open up the Word of God and renew our minds. Isn't that great? People ask me, do I have to go to a small group? You're a Christian. You don't have to do anything. Why wouldn't you in a hostile culture want to gather with like-minded people and open up the Word of God together and renew our minds? I'm not the only one. There's others. Oh, we're in a battle. It's a battle against the flesh, and we overcome the flesh by walking in the Spirit, we're involved in a battle against a world that's trying to squeeze us into its mold. So we renew our minds, right? Ah, within, around, above. We're fighting a battle against the devil. Um, let me show you. On Ephesians chapter 6, notice what he says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. When we come to faith in Christ, one of the weapons Jesus gives us is he gives us prayer. Listen, prayer is not a domestic intercom. It's not given to us so we could say, Jesus, would you make me some breakfast? You know why Jesus gives us prayer? It's a wartime walkie-talkie. He says you're in for the battle of a lifetime. You're battling the flesh, the world, and the devil. Whatever you need, you call, and I'll supply it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his mind. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Come back this week sometime and, and read the armor of God, okay? Uh, each of it has to do with truth. You know why? Because Satan's power is not like this. Satan is a deceiver. So we get out and we put on truth so we can overcome the devil. Listen, every morning I get up and I pray and I put on the armor of God. You know why? Because I'm in a battle. Are you? I'm in a battle against the flesh and the world and the devil to stand firm against the schemes, the deceits of the devil. All right, then, then the next verse. For our struggle. You ever wonder why it's a struggle? Here's why. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the spiritual forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Listen, the people around us, they're not our enemy, the people who don't know Christ, but they're held captive by our enemy. And the reason we're here and the reason Jesus has given us prayer is so that we could call down God's power, that we could cut through the barbed wire, that we could call down uh, air support, and, and that we could preach the gospel and set prisoners free. That's our struggle. We're struggling to set prisoners free. That's why we pray. That's why we share the gospel, because that's the power of God to set prisoners free. Aren't you glad Jesus fought for us? He sends us to fight for others. Oh, prayer. I love the, the next couple of verses we're going to look at. This is so good. Sometimes Paul gets like me a little too excited, okay? Notice all the superlatives in here. 
with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Do you pray all the time? Uh, Are you praying because you realize we're fighting a battle against the flesh and the world and the devil? And you know what? Whenever Paul would gather with his small group, it, it might surprise you. It might surprise you what he asked prayer for. Here's what he asked prayer for. Look, 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 look at this. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Pray for me. Pray for me that I would speak the gospel because it's the gospel that sets prisoners free. Pray for me. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul knew there was a pain line, a pain line in sharing the gospel. And when you crossed it, you could have hunger, but you might also experience hostility. Because he had been whipped and beaten, right? But he'd also seen many, many come to faith in Christ. Um, The pain line. I was recently at a funeral Uh, I'm usually up here, but I wasn't up here. I was sitting out there like you, and this pastor was doing the funeral. What I'm doing the whole time is I'm praying. I'm praying that he would preach the gospel, that he would preach the gospel because the room was packed with people. And, and, and people talked about how wonderful the person was. And then the pastor spoke. He opened up the Bible, and he read John 14, and he walked right up to the pain line, but he didn't cross it. Have you ever done that? You got right where you could share the gospel, but you didn't because you thought, you know, maybe they'll get mad. Now, if you take your experience and multiply it by a hundred times, that's what this pastor was experiencing. The devil is whispering, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. Some people will get mad, right? That's why I was praying for him. I was praying he would cross the pain line. You do know where it is in a funeral, don't you? Here it is. Everybody's just talking about how wonderful the person is. And then when I step across the pain line, you know what I say? He really wasn't that good. You can hear the air sucked out of the room. And then you say, but there is someone who really was that good, and his name is Jesus And the reason this person is in heaven is because they believed in Jesus and not because they were a good person. And when you cross the pain line, you know what you experience? Hunger. There are people who come to faith in Christ because they hear the gospel. But you also have hostility. Other people say, I can't believe you said that about that person. So when you go to a funeral, are you there to, you know, kind of grade the speaker? Or are you praying that he would cross the pain line? When you come on Sunday mornings, do you come with your scorecard to, to, to grade the message or do you pray that the pastor would speak the gospel with boldness? Please, will you pray for me? If you'll pray for me, I'll pray for you. That where you live and work and play, when you this week get up to the pain line, you'll step over it because you'll know that Jesus is fighting for you. Um, so many people recently have said to me, Smiley, what do we do? I see all these things happening in our country. What do we do? What do we do? Are we just supposed to do nothing? No, we're supposed to be the church of Jesus Christ. Listen, God established the civil government. 
And he gave the civil government a purpose to restrain human nature. And he gave the civil government a power, the sword, to force its way on people. But Jesus established the church and he gave us a purpose to remedy human nature and he gave us supernatural power. It's the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the... I pray that we would have gospel confidence because I don't believe our nation is going to be changed by electing the right people and having the change come from top down. But I believe with all my heart when the church is the church of Jesus Christ and we recover our belief in the power of the gospel and each one of us says, Lord, use me to win one person. Well, smiley, that wouldn't change our country. Well, it would sure change that one person, wouldn't it? And what if all of us did that? Instead of worrying about all those things, we were the church and said, Lord, use me to win one. Lord, use me to make one. Wow. Imagine. Imagine what we could do together. And so this week, I want you to remember, there's a fight going on. There's a fight. It's inside of us. It's around us. It's above us. But I want you to trust Jesus in the fight because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He's greater. He's greater. Then listen, trust Jesus that by his spirit we can't overcome the flesh. Trust Jesus that by his word we can overcome the world. That trust Jesus by prayer and the power of the gospel we can overcome the devil and set prisoners free. Greater. Want some good news? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for fighting for us. Thank you for coming and, and fighting for us in obedience and fighting for us and dying in our place on the cross and fighting for us and rising from the dead. Lord, thank you for fighting for us that you come and knock on the door of our hearts and say, let me in. And listen, if you've never received Jesus as Savior and Lord and you'd like to, won't you? Won't you do so before you leave? Won't you just say, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my son. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Uh, if you've prayed that, if you've invited Christ in for the first time, won't you mark that on your card or tell someone we'd love to celebrate with you. And Lord, I pray for those of us who've invited you when we find ourselves in the fight. Lord, help us this week to, trust, week to trust you in the fight. Help us to get up and be filled with the Spirit and to walk by the Spirit this week so that we can overcome the flesh. And Lord, help us this week. Help us to overcome the world by renewing our minds. May we look forward to Sunday and small group and getting up and filling our mind with your word so we can overcome the world. And oh, Lord, help us to overcome the devil. Help us to remember our mission, that you've given us prayer, that you've given us the power of the gospel that we might set prisoners free. Lord, thank you so much for fighting for us. Help us to fight for others. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.